As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Zippel Jr. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I have the distinct pleasure today to be with Heather Younger, podcast host of Leadership with the Heart, author of The Seven Intuitive Laws of Employee Loyalty, author of The Art of Caring Leadership, and CEO and founder of Employee Fanatics. Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. So Heather, I have been following your content for quite some time. And as we do for our community and our members, as well as our listeners, is try to bring in experts in various topics that also align to the methodologies and belief systems that we hold true here at the Talent Magnet Institute. So I couldn't help but two things, get attracted to your organization's name, Employee Fanatics, and wanting to unpack that. And then also all of the work that you discuss around leading with heart and also leading with a culture of listening. So as we start diving in today, I think these are things to our listeners that we can all do better, right? We can all learn from today's conversation with Heather as an expert in this space and someone who's deeply passionate in it. So can you share with us a little bit, Heather, regarding the, your podcast? Where did this come about as our listeners also click over and explore it as well? If I'm looking around funnily, it's because I have this, my dog is in here who just is like, I get some attention while you're on every call, right? And I need to be right by you and I'm going to like put my paw on your leg. So that's what's happening right now. So just to let you know. Okay, so the podcast, Leadership at Heart. I wanted to do a podcast for a while and I had gone to this conference called No Longer Virtual. Somebody who does, was already a podcast producer, his own podcast was there and he has, was starting up a service where he was doing it for like folks like me who were you know, solopreneurs at the time and wanted to, wanted to, to start this. This was uh, three years ago. So I told him, I said, he said, just think of a title and get back to me. He's from the UK. So I just, you know, I, he says it way more beautifully than I do because he has the accent. But he says, you know, just get back with me. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll think about it. And I got back and it was like, don't leadership, that leadership heart is still there. It's sticking with me. And that is because people who have led with heart, not, not many, but the few have really impressed upon me how important it is. They made me feel a certain way over in my life. And, uh, you know, when I was a manager, middle of manager, director of manager, and the people who are, who led with heart, as I describe it, are the ones who really, I don't know, it just made me feel good about the work that I was doing and wanted to stay there and wanted to help them and make them, you know, help them look good. The other thing is I'd always kind of been known as that type of leader myself, And so, you know, someone who uplifted others, someone who really listened closely, someone who really, you know, cared about others. And so because of that, it was just, it was kind of a double meaning, which is kind of the same thing that my company name is. When you think of employee phonetics, it is, has a double meaning. So it's this idea that our organization will teach your organization or help your organization get to the point where your employees are fanatical about your brand. And at the same time, you then will show them how fanatical you are about them. So it's, both by the actions that you take by working with us. So it's, again, a double meaning on both sides. And that's kind of how it worked out. You know, I was like, if you are exhibiting these things, then you're going to create these things. And so you're going to get that in return. That's wonderful. It's not rocket science, but... 
<laughs> it's there. Well, and Heather, <laughs> we talk so much about if you want your employees to be an ambassador for you and your organization as leaders, what we need to do is be ambassadors for our employees and our team members, right? And it's the same, same philosophy, you know, the which one goes first, chicken or the egg. We believe that employers and organizations should show up that they're an ambassador for their people first. As yes. you start unpacking that, is there are there certain aspects of organization challenges or leadership challenges that companies reach out to you that's like the, the leading indicators that we should probably call employee fanatics? What often happens when organizations come to us is that they're wanting, they know that there's something missing, like they know that they're not kind of showing up as their best selves holistically as an organization, and they want to take some steps forward to do that. And then they know that we have the tools to help them, mostly because that IX on the end of employee fanatics really is, is that we're grounded in metrics. So we don't just go at it from a why hit while I am personally kind of that touchy feely person, a relational person, a soft skill person, all those things you might want to think about that might scare a lot of leaders away. The organization as a whole believes that foundationally believes that we need to kind of hold that down or back that up with data. So we help them get real crystal clear and clarity about what their employees want and need. We help to uncover that for them. And then we help them along the way, that whole journey to help them make a change in the culture that improves the experience for their people. So I think because we have a reputation for doing those things, that is most of the folks are coming to us going, we don't have the clarity. We think we know, but we're smart enough to know we don't know. And so can we do this? Occasionally people come to us because there's an issue, like a like a problem. But mostly the ones that come to us is because they want to take it to the next level. They know that we have the ability to really have them go deep and to be very serious about making a change. If they're not serious, they don't come to us. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Because they know what you're going to take them through. Yes. And the vulnerability that they're also going to have to carry as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's just a lot all the way around. There's just going to be a lot of hard work. So this is, you know, processes and systems and stuff are way down the line on this. This is all the people side of things. This is the relational side of things, the human to human side of things, again, backed up by data. So I make them think on both sides of things, what's happening to people, what are they feeling like? And now let's see where you're at current state and where are you going to go to it? So it's helping all of those things out. And again, we ground everything in listening. When we think of working from home in today's environment and we think of future of work, how do you see this art of listening, art of leading with the heart coming into play? And does it look any different currently than it did three years ago? I would have to say, personally, I think that the need to listen has been there and will never go away. And it's always been strong. I would say that now the the most important things that are really interconnected with listening are the kind of the empathy and the compassion side. It's like actively listening, you know, receiving the messages and then it's leaning in to, to figure out what it is you need to do is kind of really truly meeting people physically in the space if you can. And if you can't, that's all right. You, you lean in right here on the Zoom call. And then the idea is what do you do next to help that next step? So, for example, the mental health issues that have come up, obviously, this last year for so many people, you're having to listen more intently. You're having to have more patience around that topic and maybe may, uh, provide some more flexibility and some room to allow that thing to unfold. And so it has forced leaders who didn't have that empathy muscle, the compassion muscle, the listening muscle. They didn't have those in place. It's really required them to step up in that way. And if they don't, after the pandemic, they're going to lose those people. 
those leaders who had built the trust before the pandemic, those leaders who during the pandemic continue to build trust by listening intently and showing that care, compassion, and all that for their people, then are then after the pandemic are the ones who are going to be fortunate enough to keep most of their people. So that's the gist of that. Yeah. And the component, Heather, I think we both agree with this, that that's also when your true heart shows up, right? When the most difficult of circumstances surround you and how are you going to lead? Are you going to live out those values that you talk so much about? And people are going to remember you for decades to come based on how their lived experience was during this last, you know, call it 18 months or so. <laughs> I've also go so far to say, and their children and or grandchildren and or friends are also creating their own view of your organization based on how they're living through the leadership journey that you're putting on your people, right? Or so lack true. thereof. So, so true. It's I, what I've found over the years, and it's not like I do it intentionally, and I'm not perfect at this. So I'm not, one thing I'm not here to do is paint this picture of like, oh, and I'm like the most caring leader on the planet. And I am the one who leads it hurt the most. That's not what I want to say here. It happens to be a relative strength of mine, but in the end, there's definitely room for improvement. I discover that room every day. But the, the, this idea of making sure that when, when we, like, for example, my current team of mine, her mom is the one who referred her to me, when, was one of my first team members. Um, but then, like, her dad, she'll talk to her dad about certain things. So they come back with, like, all this feedback and these ideas about, oh, you could do this as a business. So she's at home talking about all the things we're doing, and she's all excitable about this and that and all these, you know, all these opportunities. And so they then you know, get that same thing. So now if they're out in the market and they hear, oh, of a company that does this thing or that needs this kind of business, now this like parent, this aunt, this uncle is like now referring employees to me in my open positions or referring future clients to the needs that are here. All because, like you said, that a one employee kind of went out in the community. And so I think leaders really underestimate that, don't they? They really underestimate the positive power they possess to impact not just their team member, but like the entire extended family and their communities. Yeah, very much so. It's crazy. I always tell individuals, like, think about what you shared most recently when the individual who was your stylist or your barber or was cutting your hair and they ask, how's work going, right? How do you want your team members to respond to that question? When they show up in an, in a, on a weekend you know, grill out or dinner with friends, or how do you want them to respond when their friends say, how are things going, right? What's going on at work? And do you want to be the, you know, the organization, or do you think you are the organization where people like, it is just tragedy how things are going here, or this is the safest place I've ever worked. And this is the safest group of leaders I've ever been surrounded with. And I, I value my colleagues and they come alongside of me in the midst of difficulty and, and light. And that's where, again, bringing back to the heart component that you talk so much about, like that's, you know, leading with heart means you really care, right? You can't yes. fake true, authentic care. You really can't. Mm -mm. Heather, as you've thought through the, again, the use of word heart, our listeners know I mentioned often about loving our employees well, loving our team well, loving our community well. Go back to what continues to resonate with you. Like, what does leading with heart really mean? I know you talked about it a little bit earlier. I just need to revisit it again to ensure that our listeners 
are hearing the difference of how they might be leading today and what they can grow into if they really want to lead with heart. Well, it's interesting. So in this book, this, this book's called The Art of Caring Leadership. And the subtitle is How Leading with Heart Uplifts Teams and Organizations. I felt compelled to write the book, kind of to write the book on what caring leadership looks like, to write the book on leading with heart actually looks like. And having said that, though, I didn't just use my gut because I am I'm based about data, data. So it's whether it's quantitative or qualitative, it's like a data focused thing. So in this regard, I interviewed like 160 leaders. And in this book, I included about 80 of their voices. I kind of listened over time. I didn't have a presupposition of what the things were going to be, what the behaviors would be that would define what leading the heart looks like, that would define caring leadership. Because to me, they're synonymous. Caring leadership and leading the heart are the same thing. So we'll be clear on that right, right now. But I didn't, I didn't go in with that. What I did is I, I did it kind of in a Heather style. I just listened and I listened and I listened. And over time, I'm like, let me start to see like lots of trends. And I was like, wow, these themes are just coming up and up and up. I should probably be corralling these. And so I got to the point, I got to like episode 25 and I was like, these people are so brilliant. And there's a lot of people who don't listen to podcasts. So I need to be figuring out how to take all of this brilliance. And the brilliance is not in perfection. The brilliance was in their imperfection and their aha moments to come out of it. And that's where we get to learn from them, which is kind of like, whoop, that was powerful. So I said, okay, we got to episode 25. And I said, I've got to do a book on that. Like, I just have to. Now that I knew that and I committed in my mind, I was just always like listening and listening to themes. And I got the point, I was able to kind of move it down. And so leading with heart is exhibited in about nine key behaviors. And that's what I put inside the book. But I'll give you a couple here. I alluded to one of them, which of course is this idea of listening culture, creating a listening culture, which is what we talked about earlier. This idea of really leaning in to listen, listen to the pain, listen to the stories, listen to the needs, the wants, the desires listen to the goals, listen to the right future, listen to the present, listen to what's happening. So it's everywhere. It's a lot of listening. And it's listening at the manager level and it's listening at the organizational level. But those are the ways that we get to the truth. And we can't meet somebody where they're at if we don't understand their truth. And that's what we get to when we're able to listen like that. Another thing is making people feel important. And that obviously for most people would bring, oh, how do you do that? Well, I mean, most people know you want to show appreciation. You want to recognize people. That's one of the ways you can do it. How do you do that? Well, you got to find out what motivates your team members. You can't just like show appreciation to everybody the exact same way because not everybody will be filled up that same way. So we have to make sure that we find out what the motivation is and then we go show more appreciation more consistently. Gallup says that if a team member has not been recognized in the last seven days, it's as if they have never been recognized. They forget the memory is short. So yes, that puts a lot of pressure on the manager to make sure that they are showing that appreciation very consistently. But I, in my first book, I talk about this other, this idea of crowdsourcing recognition where we set up levels of recognition where it's like customer and a coworker and executive leader and then the manager themselves, where the manager's recognition is the most powerful to the team member. It's the one that's the most meaningful to the team member. They still can get the dopamine boost to the brain, which is what recognition gives them if they have the different levels of recognition set up. So it's important to come upon the organization and the leaders to set those different levels up. So those are a couple different ways that you can the behaviors that actually are exhibiting caring leadership and or leading with heart. And what you just unpacked is also why it's so important to work these muscles, right? To train and equip ourselves, buy a copy of Heather's book, The Art of Caring Leadership. You can stop over to Amazon or her website, employeefanatics.com. We'll provide all of this in the show notes as well. But this is how you learn and grow 
is by equipping, just like you train, you got to train for everything. We got to train for how we show up, not just for our employees, but also our family and our community and those around us in life that you can bring all of these skills into the marketplace, the workplace, and your your home life as well. So was there a point in your career, Heather, where you felt the impact of someone who did this that allowed you to lift, allowed you, what we say, bring out your greatest good that saw sometimes people see more potential in us than we see in ourselves. And those leaders are the ones that help us rise up. Nobody ever got to the top by themselves. Is there someone who you experienced that made this such a profound place for you to focus in in your work? I can say there are as many people who have led me that I think of as caring leaders, I can count them on one hand and maybe a little bit less than a hand. And so this is because I think it is a rarity to be able exhibiting these things in more consistent way, where it's not a one done or where you've done it once, but that it's not every day. Again, this is not about perfection, but where you like, this person has hit a solid 80. You know what I mean? And it's hard for a leader to hit a solid 80. So you know that that's there. There was one manager I had. He was, let's just call him a VP of an organization. And I was hired for a particular role and I'm very like, let's go, let's like, let's, we're like doing it. I mean, I don't even need anybody. I just come in and check in and tell you what I'm doing and I'm going to do it. That, that's why I'm an entrepreneur now because that's the kind of person I'm, I'm self-driven. So I'd go in and I'd be like, here's what we're doing. He's like, yep, that's great. But then like the leadership team that was like a part of his team putting pauses on different things because they were like, oh, wait, wait a second, wait, so slow, slow down. Or they were frustrated or they thought we should go a different direction. And so I was getting increasingly agitated, let's say. And he could sense that I was getting frustrated. And so one day he comes down to my office. He doesn't have an appointment. And he just comes down and he says, Heather, uh, he pokes his head and he just smiles. <laughs> Let me just set the stage. He pokes his head and I'm like, hi, like, is everything okay? He's like, yeah, I just want to come talk to you. So he sits down in the chair in front of me across from me. And, and he's like, listen, I know you're frustrated. I know you feel like the leadership team is stopping you from doing what you do best. But we hired you to do exactly what you're doing. And you're doing a great job. And so keep your chin up. Please be patient with us. We are going to get there with you. But we want you to know that you, I want you to know that I know you're doing a great job. So keep your chin up, okay? And he just had this huge smile on his face. And in that moment, he met me where I was at with a lot of empathy to let me know that he was listening even to words I wasn't saying. He was watching, he was paying attention to me. And to this day, like it never left me that, that one exchange. I mean, he had lots of other little ones, but that one exchange didn't leave me because I knew he was paying attention. He didn't just kind of you know, say, well, she's having these issues and oh, well, she's going to have to deal with it. That's what leadership teams do. Like he didn't do that. He picked up on it differently and he met me in a different way. So that was one example. Like I said, I have probably three or four more and that'd be about it. And I'm almost 50 this year. So I mean, that tells you that's a lot of working life to be able to have that just that fewer people who left that impression upon me. But it was enough for me to take note. And most all these stories are in my book because again, there's so few, I put them in there to share. What does it look like? You know, normally caring leadership would say, once I care. I care or heart, I lead with heart, I lead with love. These are all kind of synonymous. What do they mean? What does it look like in practice? And that's what I really want to do. I want to move the nebulous aside and create more concrete, definitive ways that people can do it. And so that's where we're at now. I'm assuming I'm looking forward to reading the book of how did it make you feel? And why do those four, using that as the number, stand out so much. They stand out to many of us because it's the only place maybe we've ever experienced it, right? And I know as I've led and walked alongside of 
leaders that build incredible trust inside their organizations, it's because of that, that their employees feel like this is the place that actually cares about me and wants me to show up, isn't demanding it. They see my potential and they want me to show up at my best and they're going to help enable me to do so. As you reference the empathy and compassion, I know in a recent blog post that you put out was organizational compassion. In the current world that we've lived in and the environments that we are, are experiencing, has compassion or empathy gotten even more crystallized for you? Or would you say, no, I just now know that more of us need this skill and so many of us don't have it? And how, where do we go? How do we develop that as a strength? Well, it's interesting. I would have to say in this last year, the empathy and compassion connection, it's the only time it's become this clear for me. And I think it's because it's been such a nexus of so many hard things that have happened to all of us or around all of us that we were experiencing it, that it just required so much of us to, to kind of boil up the need to listen and be there for people around us, whether they're people who are dying or sick whether people going through kind of the racial stuff that's happening, like right now with Floyd. I mean, it's like, it's a workplace conversation. There's so many things that are happening now in the Asian hate. How much more can we do, but how much more can we be present for our brothers and sisters in the world, right? And so then the other thing is, we at Employee Fanatics have been knee-deep in listening sessions in the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging space. We've been speaking a lot on resilience. I've been speaking a lot on the DEIB stuff. And so because I've been so looking at the chat, listening, going, going through the surveys, doing the listening sessions, I am hyper-focused. I've got like antennas up. And interestingly enough, like in some listening sessions we had recently, when we were talking about the types of training, people were like, I just think like, if we could just train on empathy, we could train on you know, compassion, we could train on listening. It's like, yeah, like this is never going to go away, by the way. Like that's emotional intelligence is never going to go away. It's something that should have been trained from the beginning of the time. It's, it should be trained till the end of time. But it's one of those things you have to continue to highlight and put a dot and a cross on, you know, the, the, the cross the T on to make sure that, that employers are listening to that. The other thing, so here's why this interesting connection, it came to a head in a really crystallized way for me. And I've been in this emotional intelligence space, like training in this and a manager who exhibits this. I always have taken it for granted that I am this kind of leader. I've taken it for granted. I have always skipped over it whenever I have conversations with people because I just assume it in others, but it doesn't exist in others. But it's this idea of when we are empathizing, we are listening deeply to the needs of another person. We are, listening, we are stepping out of our shoes into the shoes of another person to try to understand where they're coming from, even if we don't have the same lived experience or the same identity as they do. So we're trying to do that. Okay, that's great. And that's amazing, right? But we've actually stopped too short if we don't take the next step, which is compassion, which is the act to alleviate the pain of another person. That is a totally different dynamic, right? That says to the people, well, that person, she really heard me, she really listened. But when all of a sudden you do something about it, they're like, wow, he or she, like, they care about me because they took action on behalf of my pain. Big, big, huge, huge. It's like, Bing! and it's just in the last year, I knew it. But like I said, you make this assumption and I think there are all these underlying things. But for me to be able to spell this out for organizational leaders to say, you need both. You have to have the connection. And if you really want the biggest, and as you talked about earlier, this is not something you fake. You either at a foundation level, like care for other humans. Like you want to see other, not, you don't want to see other humans suffer or you don't. So you can't fake it. 
But if you have at a basic level this desire to see other people's, you know, other people not get harmed, then I think you're already there, right? And this desire to do something about it. Now you're like really there. And that's the exciting part about it. I love that. I mean, I think when you say those, I think of being an active ally. There's a difference between, and we shouldn't have to put the additional action words around it, but unfortunately we do because it's so easy to say, I am one. Oh, I am, I am empathetic. I am compassionate. But what are you doing with it, right? That you can, good friend of mine, Amy Weininger references, like there's a difference between having your heart that's stirred and putting your feet to action, right? And actually stepping into that compassion and wanting to know more and how to protect and how to be there for another's emotions and lived experiences. The other thing I believe we're hearing more and more about is, you know, everyone used to talk about the golden rule. Now it's the platinum rule, right? But if you think about the golden rule, it's very selfish because it's all about me right? Versus you. I should be wanting to know how to best come alongside of you and support you and understand you and listen and hear your lived experiences so that as we're working together as colleagues and, you know, that we can be here for each other and know our triggers and be able to stand into microaggressions that may not affect other people, but because I know your experiences I know that that was a trigger and that is not acceptable here, right? Yeah. These little, little things are the most important things in leadership. Oh, yeah. And by the way, the thing that we were told when we were a kid were like sticks and stones, maybe my bones or words will never hurt me. That is such a dang lie. It's a crock. So get past that. Because as, as we were just talking about just now, we were looking like we was talking about microaggressions. Those are all words. And they do hurt and they, they minimize the human person. And anything that reduces the dignity of the human person should just not be in place. That's just how I see it. Interesting. Earlier we were talking, oh my gosh, it went in and out of my head. It was a really good point. So I'll come back to this. I'm sure it's going to pop back in. And I'll be like, I want to say it again. <laughs> That's a good point. Darn it. Within your work, helping strengthen and create stronger relationships and bonds of colleagues. Do you see organizations also leveraging a lot of this skill as it shows up for their customers and those that they serve? Not nearly enough. So when I I first started, my company was called Customer Fanatics. And the tagline was engaged employees, delighted customers, fanatical results. So it it was the connection between the two. And I decided gosh, more than a year ago to, to just completely focus on internal, so employee and leader, because I did feel like both of those populations are the ones that actually create the customer experience anyway. So let me just focus there. And I didn't want, I was confusing people for what it was I really stood for and what was my focus. So I made that change, but, but I don't want to confuse or overwhelm my clients. Now, for, for some reason, we got to the point where I was like, I think we're in a really good spot with the, on the employee side. We've listened, we have a, we've had a, a few different survey cycles. We've you know, coach and train your leaders. You've done this thing like in, in your scores are looking good. They're gradually going up and up and up on the DEI side or the cultural companies or whatever, engagement side. And now I would say that now what I think we should do is kind of flip it over and start looking at how is all of this, you know, when we first start down the journey, the idea is that you want to know where your starting point is. So you want to see like where are your CSAT scores and where you're, if you have any other types of metrics that are tracking customer engagement or, you know, increase in customer spend, 
you'd look at that in the beginning and then you'd do, you'd go into these cycles and you'd come out the end and say, let's see, let's go track that. It doesn't always happen that way. Not all organizations have the appetite to start that global. So you, for me, I know that I can't completely overwhelm the client. So I want, I want to see change. And so I know changes in tiny steps. So I usually have to come to them with a few different steps, little or, so, you know, and then it's like, and then there's a bigger step after we've done that. And now it's like a much bigger step. So I haven't gotten to a lot of clients where they're right, where they're at the place where I think now let's introduce this other concept because there's so much to be done internally. It's a beast, right? Yeah. And the, as we think through all of the conversations around where to serve, where to start, how to impact quality, innovation, customer engagement, profitability, all starts within us and how we treat those around us. It's the same way, Heather, that gets talked a lot about with DEI and B, diversity, equity, inclusion, mm-hmm. and belonging, like where to start? Where do I even start with this topic? Yep. It's you, it's me, it's yep. us. And working on ourselves and learning how to be a better listener and want to listen not come with your opinions, not come with your own experiences, but listen to others. So there's so much. I love your point. Like, Mike, we don't even get there yet because there's so much to work on inside an organization and think about the profound impact you're having because all of the indicators point to this topic of being fanatical about your team and the people around you and leading with heart. I love the caption of your book, How Leading with Heart Uplifts Teams, which then uplifts organizations, right? And again, I want to encourage our listeners today, please go grab your copy quick, because I'm sure that they're going to sell out in multiple cycles here, The Art of Caring Leadership. And we will put it in the show notes, but also just, you know, tell Siri or your Google or... Alexa to uh, to put it in your cart and get it shipped to you right away. Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. I did want to, sorry, I said the word Alexa and now my Alexa's going off. Uh, <laughs> and my dog's name is actually that name without an A. So if I were to say it, then she'd come over here. So I'm not doing that. <laughs> so can you leave our our listeners, our audience that have joined us today What's one thing that you believe they can do right now where they are, whether they're driving, running, listening, sitting, that can take what we've discussed today and put it into action? Well, I think the kind of the overarching concept of all of this is that employee experience and retention is really driven by emotions. It's how we make those we lead feel that determines their next step. So we have to then, so I would say if you're sitting in the car and you're running, ask yourself, how did I leave the last person that looks to me for leadership? How did I leave that last person feeling after I interacted with them? In an honest way, you can say I left them feeling like, you know, that they had their dignity, that they felt like they, I, they were listened to and then I valued them. Then I think you're in good shape. Otherwise, I think just be honest with yourself on the, on the answer to that question. That's wonderful. Well, Heather, thank you again for your friendship, for your time today. And I'm really looking forward to us continuing to learn and grow together and cannot wait to get my copy so I can begin reading and uh, pick up on all of the key steps that we all need to learn to strengthen this muscle of art of caring and listening and leading with heart. So everyone, thank you for joining Heather and I today. And 
We look forward to our next conversation here with the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Please share with Heather and I. Send us a note. Click over to our websites. Let us know what your major takeaway was from today's episode. Share it with a friend. We all know someone who could benefit from this conversation. So I look forward to having you share it amongst your networks and your community. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.